0: Is that what I'm saying? Rough Trade Radio. Yes. Rough Trade Radio. <��Then> Rough Trade Radio. Rough <glued on to Capitololo> Trade Radio. Is <laughs> Rough r- r- <cuase serve> r-
1: r- Trade Radio? Rough Trade Radio. Rough Trade Radio. Rough Trade Radio. Rough Trade Radio. What's that?
2: So welcome to Rough Trade Radio's shoplifting podcast with me, Ben Monahan. Uh, I'm privileged to be joined in the studio today uh, by Kevin Martin, a.k.a. The Bug, and Dylan Carson, a.k.a. Earth, or guitarist and leader of the drone metal instrumental band Earth. Uh, both sonic pioneers uh, in, in their own fields of collaborative and expansive music. Uh, you come together uh, to unite over a new release, uh, The Bug vs. Earth, um, with an album entitled Concrete Desert, um, which is out on Ninja Tune on the 5th of May. Um, I've only been given a, a sample of the, uh, the album this morning, so I've only had a brief chance to have a listen, but uh, I must admit, on first listen, it's a phenomenal piece of work. It's um, a real ballsy, big, atmospheric... Um, I'd, I'll, I'll read the uh, what I think is uh, a rightful description, and it'd be interested <laughs> to get your thoughts. It's described as uh, breaking the boundaries between beautiful and ugly... Minimal and maximal, light and dark, heavy and thrilling, pulsating soundscapes, ambient pinks and whites, and irresistible grooves. Not sure, if you That's feel big. like that. That's
3: quite big. <laughs> That's quite a big description, though. Did you? Write that? <laughs> no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh,
2: the album also features uh, Justin Broderick of Godflesh, Napalm Death, Techno Animal, uh, under his JK Flesh Guys. Um, how can I start by asking how long you both known each other, and how did this this album come about?
1: Um, I guess known each other fairly briefly. Yeah, uh, three or four years ago, we yeah. were you yeah. finally unsound. No, yeah. Um, I actually did the guitar tracks for the Boa Cold stuff before we'd actually met in person, and then. Uh, I ran into him on the street of crack in Krakow, Poland because we were both at uh, Unsound Festival. Um but yeah, I mean I could say we really got to know each other doing this record um since it was our first chance to be in the studio together and and uh, uh, have more than <laughs> email. Yeah, I mean there's a, there's an
3: illustrator called Simon Fowler mm-hmm. who uh Illustrated one of your albums, in yeah. fact, didn't he? Their extracurricular one. Uh, extracurricular. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah extra-capsular. Capsular, sorry, yeah. Um, and uh, he was a mutual friend. He was a friend of uh, one of the singers in King Midas Sand. And through getting to know him and having him illustrate my artwork for London Zoo, not for London Zoo, for Angels and Devils, um, we got into conversation with Simon where I said how much I was a fan of what Dylan was doing and, and how he'd turned metal into this drift you know this huge monstrous drift and that i'd become more and more enamored by the directions dylan had taken with his music and um he said well he knew dylan very well and said why why don't i do something i don't know if i i popped the question or he popped the question to be honest <laughs> but but anyway It'll i'm, I'm, bad, I'm yeah. glad the link was made because to a lot of people it feels that i've noticed a lot of people think that we're from very different areas opposite sides of the world um but actually, it's a fit that worked very, very well, I think, and, and, and surprisingly easily. Because in a way, I think we, we we have a craving for similar things in music, you okay. know, sort of spaciousness, heaviness, atmosphere, environmental sort of reflection. Um, And for me, it's it's like a, a brother from another mother, no yeah. Dylan, you know. So... That's it's, a lovely thing. Yeah, lucky, very yeah. fortunate. Cause I know you've collaborated with a lot of people. Yeah, and I know I have too. And sometimes it just remains <laughs> chalk and cheese. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: do, do you feel Do you feel like it's a, a really different thing when you're collaborating? Is it something that you you have a hunger for that to 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 spark that sort of bit of inspiration in each of you? Or
1: I think you can, I mean, you can do great work on your own and in isolation. But I, I mean, to me, music's always about like interacting with other people and like every time you interact with other people it's going to create something that's not that's different than you uh it opens something brand new yeah because they're going to contribute stuff that you can't see and you know what i mean it's just like it's about sparks and tangents yeah you know
3: you just you, you get jolted into a different Area away from your comfort zone for yeah. me, anyway. Yeah, you know? and then
1: and then just too like I, like you know, when usually like this project's a little different because I kind of like get to be like the hired gun <laughs> that just comes in and plays guitar, which I love being in that position rather than having to like. always the next
3: time we'll do it the other way around.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, That's
1: album two, right? There, yeah, 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 yeah. I think so. I think so. <laughs> But um, but uh, I mean I don't to me that I did the hired gun not in a bad way but like I mean I like that kind of guitar playing where I'm like working with someone and I'm not necessarily the focus. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Earth it's like I'm sort of like you know I have to keep the ball rolling and sort of do the. The majority of the work.
2: Could I ask, maybe, is there a similar influence on your your early influence with someone like Black Sabbath? Does that kind of like draw you? I don't know, like, or is that just an, an obvious kind of? Um. Earth, earth, That was the original name for. Yeah, I mean, there's a. There? Is, there's, is that
1: an actual link, or is that? There's there's that link. I mean, obviously, anyone doing heavy guitar based is, is, rock yeah, yeah. is indebted to Black Sabbath. Um. I had a big but, problem with Black Sabbath yeah, for many yeah. years.
3: That was another one of the the the, the bands that my mum used to play a lot. Yeah. So I couldn't get past his voice for many years. Yeah, I, I definitely appreciated the heaviness. Yeah. but actually, ultimately, I remember with Techno Animal, mm-hmm. a reviewer said that we sounded like the Black Sabbath of hip hop. And Justin Broderick, who was the other half of Techno Animal, took that as a great compliment. And actually, I ended up taking it as a pretty big <laughs> compliment because I went back and listened around that time to early Sabbath records and really getting into it, yeah. you know, and, and just liking the, the, the sheer primal, fundamental in-your-faceness yeah. of it and the slowness and the volume, you know, of how I appreciate that they they struck me as a band. I don't know really anything about them, ironically, you know, but they struck me as a band who needed to make music, mm-hmm. as I feel I do. You know, they struck me as a band that became popular by by... Default. I don't think they, I don't know, you know, you'd yeah, know. Yeah, no, I mean, them. they
1: were definitely, you know, they were like, whatever, four, four, Jesus four from kids Birmingham, from yeah. Birmingham, like, and that's all they had, you know.
3: And that's um, actually all I have as well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got kicked out of school early, I got kicked out of yeah. home early, and for me, music was never a choice. It was just, that's all I have in life. Yeah. You know, it's one of the few things as, I have faith in.
1: As an escape from that, or...
3: As As, as sheer panic and (laughs) catharsis. Yeah. You know, that's that's my
1: path. The only thing I can do, really, I mean, like, I mean, basically anything good that's happened to me in life is as a result of music, like.
3: And that's where Dylan and I totally
1: agree. Like, yeah. yeah. You know, I have no idea. I'm probably being... Jail, if it wasn't for music, music is <laughs> 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 you know, a, 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 a jail. jail. <laughs> 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 and you meet that way.
2: Yeah. Um, um, can I ask about the the process of of making the album? And you you mentioned a little bit briefly there, but I mean, how did it go from that kind of meeting, uh, bringing it together by Simon, to to actually formulating some ideas and and
3: uh, and recording? Well, like Dee said, we we'd worked together on this twelve inch, and I think. When we did that, it it was pretty up in the air. I'd sent Dylan sketches of revamped reggae rhythms, classic reggae rhythms, slowed down and, and translated onto different sounds. Uh, like the tempo rhythm was one of them. I can't remember. Cuss Cuss rhythm was another. And I can't remember the other one. Dylan put his parts down and I was just like, fuck it, his stuff sounds so much better. I'm just going to ditch everything I did and I totally rewrote around his guitar parts. Really? And then... I think the feedback had been so positive to the single. It, I know I, I, I reached out to Dylan because of that, you know, because I was like, hey, you know what? I think maybe we've we've tapped a nerve, and I really enjoyed the, the experience. And that basically popped the question and then took the piss by saying, let's do an album instead of a, yeah. <laughs> instead of a, a
1: single, you know? So, uh, yeah. And here we are. And, yeah. I'm, and I'm more used to doing albums than singles because, like, I'm not from a single's. Like electronic music, they seem to do a lot of 12 inch singles and stuff. Whereas, like, so it made more sense to approach it as a whole album for yeah. yourself.
3: Well, it's funny because I was, weirdly enough, I've been listening to your stuff all the way over here because they, they want us to interview each other no. later on. So I've just been oh. immersed in Earthland <laughs> on the way over. And I've realized that generally a lot of my music tastes, and even I think the three records I picked, were all extremely immersive. Although with Bug, I'm very much involved and still love big club bangers to be honest there's nothing i enjoy more than seeing a a whole crowd just flipping the hell out and stage diving moshing going mental you know but i need both you know i don't feel happy just churning out singles Mm -hmm. i i I also like to work on music that is extremely immersive you know and and i think that's what the whole point of concrete desert ended up becoming you know It, it yeah, so I I think really I need both. I'm yeah. greedy with music.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean I mean the album is, is is one. It feels like one big body of work. I, mm. I was thinking about it as sounding like a sort of soundtrack to a dystopian future. You know, it's kind of and obviously the title, um, uh, sorry, concrete desert. Um, I mean, was there a, a a sort of a plan to kind of create that kind of soundscape and and really build it as one big piece? It's a homage
3: to Dylan yeah. as much as anything. Because when right. I wrote the parts, I was really writing with Dylan in mind, you know. And then it became transformed by my experiences in L.A. And just my experiences of being far from home, mm-hmm. you know, and just about being alienated in a big city, mm-hmm. you know. And, and it yeah. was very much...
1: And then it was like yeah. both of our reactions to L.A. like, Like, for me, it was interesting having lived in L.A. Yeah. and... Being, I think, more familiar with LA to hear his reaction to the city, and like, and then seeing like the way that it mirrored a number of the reactions of uh, I've had to the city. Although ultimately, I think I actually like LA. Whereas, <laughs> <I don't laughs> <know>. it's true, <laughs> it's true, yeah, yeah, it's true. But I still, but I see what he sees there too. Like, it's not. I don't. I don't have like. I like Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> Detroit is somewhere else to me. It's that's yeah. like a different planet. That's, you it's know, a whole, yeah. it's like planet Detroit. Yeah. If we if we ever want to do them, mysto- let's mo- do the next one. Should dyst- be Detroit. Actually, more dystopian would be Gary, Indiana. I don't know that at all. So it's like it's it's like if you want to see what America is going to look like in about ten years, it's <laughs> Mad Max land. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So, so w- will there be plans to, to work together again or is it obviously very early days this album's only due for release on the 5th of May but it seems like there's a, a natural sort of affinity with each
1: other and a, an ability to realise something together. Yeah, I mean the the demand seems to be there. Um, I mean, we're already looking at doing another set of shows in the fall it looks like. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, a friendship blossom
0: mm-hmm.
3: you know a, a working relationship too it's all combined you know when, when we started doing the shows they're probably a bit shaky at first because we we're getting to know each other and had to work off each other and the last show where we had a foundation of the album at CTM in Berlin went incredibly well yeah. and felt very very good and it felt like as people, anyone that comes to the show next, next, or this is going to probably be aired after the show, yeah, yeah. but we play in a couple of days, or we play tomorrow, in fact, in London. Anyone that comes is going to get a whole different impact of the album live. It's much more intense and overwhelming. It's less distant. Uh, and I just think that working with Dylan seems to be opening... Th- think, you know, sometimes, particularly if you've been working with other people for a long time, mm-hmm. it feels like your, your, your vision's being narrowed. Whereas with Dylan, I feel if it's just getting wider and wider. People. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think the working relationship feels very fresh. I can't think of anything else that sounds like concrete desert. And and I think we've managed to find a way to play off each other's strengths, which is really, really super positive as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So I'd, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure, absolutely sure we'd love to work together. mm mm-hmm. And the album artwork. You can
1: guest on the next verse record. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> there
3: you pest. <laughs> I pest on it.
1: Official <laughs> verbal
2: contract. Um, the the album artwork was that Simon. Yeah, it was yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The very same. It's, 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 <laughs> I obviously can't see that in radio land, but it's a beautiful um, kind of reflection of how, how how the album sounds. And again, I think that feeds into it feeling like one um, s- sort of big piece,
1: as opposed to an album that you might pick. Yeah, I mean, seemed. Simon's a magician, you know? And, and, and it's interesting because it's very different from his mm. previous artwork. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a whole new thing for him, too.
3: And I think he thinks I'm a complete pain in the ass <laughs> <laughs> as well. I, mean, we're, I think he didn't expect that job. And he, we already we he clashed on left the left first one. I will,
1: I, I will not
3: uh, break <laughs> confidence. <laughs> and I know he buried himself in the album, and he, he was... He was he was greatly enthusiastic about the music so I think he could immerse himself in it. Yeah. And he did very well because he ignored everything I suggested and did something fantastic <laughs> on, off his own back. Uh, he's, he's, seems he's, to be his <laughs> to <for> <laughs> He's he's an amazing artist. We're we're very lucky to work with him. Well listen
2: um shall we move on to your shop listing choices? Um Can we so- really lift them? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm saying nothing. It's
2: your, it's your choice. Um, you so who wants to go first? And uh, if you just maybe explain your, your record of choice and then, uh, and okay, then if you my, pick a track
1: we'll play it. My first one is J.J. Kale, Troubadour, and the song is Super Blue. And why, why, why did that uh, stand out for you? Um, well, J.J. is the big influence uh, on me, and I... A musician I admire. Um, his early works. He, it's like he had a very idiosyncratic guitar style and a very like laid-back, almost comatose style. And uh, it's funny because like a lot of people had hits with his uh, songs, but he never did. Um, <laughs> That's I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, like he wrote "Cocaine" and "After Midnight," Clapped and hit with it. Yeah, wow. like "Call Me the Breeze." Wow. But uh, his early these like early records, it's uh, he had he used a early like rhythm machine instead of a drummer, right. and then he had this crazy guitar that he built himself uh, and stuff, and just this really unique recording style. And he's like sort of the closest. American artist to do that does like what I consider like the dub thing like where it's like using tracks, you know, like Revamping revamping and reducing songs to their like barest minimum and and where the space is imp- as important as as uh, As the music um, but in a fully like American context rather than and was was his
2: playing an
1: influence on y- yourself? Oh yeah, it? definitely, yeah. yeah, definitely. Brilliant.
2: Well, uh, would you like to introduce the track?
1: Uh, yeah, it's called Super Blue, and it's uh, off Troubadour. There we go.
2: Got your Sufi, love me. Okay, uh, Kevin, should we have your your choice? We go back and forth here. What have you gone for?
3: Okay, I went for Bitch's Brew by Miles Davis. I almost (laughs) picked that one too. (laughs) And it's basically because I've never had it on vinyl, actually. Yeah. Um, And apart from the fact that I worship Matty Clavine's artwork for all of Miles Davis's things, and it looks so beautiful on vinyl. Very obviously, Miles Davis is just an was an incredible composer, player, and person. I think, like you know, a very brave person who went against the grain, always took the hard choice when there was easy options available. You know, and 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 more to the point, just pushed his music more and more out there. And had great choice in Sidemen as well, you know. Um, and for me, Bitches Brew, like so much music I love, when I first heard it, I couldn't make head or tail of it. It's just like, this is insane music to me, you know. It just sounded like voodoo music, some electronic psychedelic voodoo, you know. And the more I played it, just the more you just get immersed in this in this crazy kinetic world of collision and, and space, you know. And and, and still, it just it sounds unearthly to me in, in a... It sounds abstract but funky, you know, and I love that connect, that combination, yeah. you know. And actually all three records I've picked up today, to be honest, I couldn't even pick, well, well two, I think one of them is only one track <laughs> and the other one is only two tracks. And Bitches Brew, I, I couldn't even pick one track particular because whenever I play it, I just leave it on. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, I wouldn't even, t- I can't it tell really you what good. the track title. I think maybe the track, I'd, maybe Mars Runs the Voodoo Down, I seem to remember, is, is one of my favourites on there. But generally i just play it start to finish and loop it over and over again yeah. you know and and it's just awesome you know miles davis is is just a don dada i like the fact he was passionate you know verging on a sheer aggression you know I'd, i think he'd probably be of being quite a difficult person to work with yeah um but that's good But understandably so. yeah exactly and i think his with bitches brew particularly and his early 70s productions he worked a lot with a producer called Tio Macero, who I was really inspired by the more I read about him, okay. just because his approach to jazz was so different as well. You yeah. know, Jazz was revolutionary to begin with. Yeah. yeah, he dubbed them out. Yeah. He literally took edits, spliced them in different ways that they hadn't been recorded in that fashion, and then used effects to, 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 to a great deal, You know, like delays, reverbs. And just as I fell in love with the studio as, a, as an alchemical environment, I think my favourite producers all... That have inspired me have all done that, you know. Yeah, Whether yeah. it be scientist Lee Perry, King Tubby, the Bomb Squad for Public Enemy, um, you 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 create a new world, mm-hmm. you know. You you create something new out of elements people know and 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 some whole new
0: yeah
3: I explosion. Think
1: that's something we have in common too. Is we like viewing dub as more than just a genre of music, as in like a whole like sort of philosophical way of producing and approaching music and and seeing it like you know they did it in jazz whereas you know lee perry did it with reggae or you know like jj kale did it with american you know it's like it's a a, a method as well Hmm, as just a style for me it's a
3: philosophy philosophy yeah Yeah. i said it in the sleeve i wrote a, a compilation together called macro dub infection Virgin many years ago and I I wrote the sleeve notes for it and said that for me it's a philosophy. Mm -hmm. Like postmodern life is pure dub. Mm -hmm. You know how we live this insane life now you know and just how the internet and how easy it is to travel from one side of the globe to the other so quickly. I just feel that our lives are remixed on a constant basis you know and, and past, present and future just become this weird stew in the same way that I feel a dub mixes, you know, and, and I feel that um, just as dub in a way had its reflections in the writings of William Burroughs or in the, the movies of Jean-Luc Godard, I feel that um, it's, it's a way of thinking. Dub is a, is a thought process for me. It's like, how can you recontextualize? How can you turn sound inside out, back to front, upside down? And that's what really interests me.
2: It's, it's a way of thinking for yourself as the creator and, and for the listener
3: yeah 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 and, and and for me to absorb how i absorb music and flip from one thing to another you know as, as well you know um and and how i i see life amazing well um well yeah would you like to introduce that this this is miles davis uh miles runs the voodoo down
2: Um, next choice what have you gone for
1: Uh, okay Uh, I am going to go for farther east of Jack old Marcus Garvey which is Burning Spear Um, it's the this is one of my favorite records or I guess it's the double record of all time where their first album was Marcus Garvey and then they did an entire dub version of the album called Garvey's Ghost Um, and it's uh farther east of jack is off the Garvey's ghost the dub version and uh i guess and is that something that's been
2: with you for a long time yeah it's always been like a, a go-to
1: yeah i got it i think i first got ex- weirdly enough uh one of my first acid trips in high school <laughs> i got exposed to this record instead of one of the All first times my... i ever smoked weed, I listened to Prince Farai as well. So maybe there's something else we haven't yeah, yeah, yeah. Um While my friends were listening to, like, you know, Sergeant Peppers and stuff, I was listening to this. Brilliant. Um, and then the first time I came to London with Earth back in 1995, uh, I went and saw Josh Shaka at the uh, forum. And it's still, it was like one of the, you know, it was like an eight hour all night dub concert and it was like still the loudest thing I've ever seen yeah and like just one of the most amazing,ly immersive musical things I've ever seen I mean a Shaka show for me is like it's a spiritual meeting
3: yeah I used to go and see Abishanti play at Sunday night parties he used to have in south london which weren't publicized and it was mostly just rasters there and a couple of white stragglers like me and it was in a tiny place and he only brought half of his system but the system th- the room itself was probably only about five times bigger than this room we're sitting yeah. with a massive system but it, it felt really like the most spiritual soulful yeah. use of sound mm-hmm. you know and, and and lyric you know a, a lot I've been through phases of reggae. I started as an idiot dub snob, where I was like, I, can't, I don't even want to hear the words. You know, the words are just cheesy or the or some elements of music are cheesy. I just want to hear the heavy dub. But as, it went, as time went on, reggae is the music I personally always go back to because it has everything I want in music. It has experimentation, it has soulfulness, it has honesty, and it, and it has, has a purity of, of sound and, and a belief system, you know, and it's avant-garde because the, the audience for reggae up until recently I feel, always wanted the next thing. They would never sit on their laurel, they'd always want to push ahead and have reggae pull them ahead, you know, and there were so many revolutions within that genre for an island so small it was crazy.
2: Brilliant, well can we, um, can we pick a track from that?
1: Uh, yeah, Farther East of Jack, off Garvey's Ghost by Burning Spear. <laughs>
3: Next choice, what have we got? The next choice is uh, Sleep, uh, Dope Smoker. <laughs> and I don't know if it was true. Dylan may be able to shed light on this. Okay. I don't know if he knows Al and co, but I've sub- subsequently met Al, who's an amazingly nice guy. But I heard that... Also into dub. Yeah, heavily, into, <laughs> heavily heavily into dub. And very, very good as well, actually. His solo dub records are amazing. But I, the room I heard before I heard this record which made me want to hear this record, is basically that they got a huge advance from a major label, smoked the whole advance, became reborn as Rastas, and, and made a one-track album where all the lyrics were, were, were like a, a homage to Rastafarianism <laughs> from this <laughs> me- metal band who used to sound like Black Sabbath. Because I heard them when they were signed to Earache many years before, and it just yeah. sounded like a, a Sabbath clone. But when I heard that story, and I, if myth, myth or not, I love the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then, true. then when I heard the track, I loved the track too. Yeah. And I, I've talked to Dylan many times and publicly said many times, I have this real <coughs> ambiguous relationship with metal. But there's so much I want to love about metal, but so much that turns me off. But for me, this album, and what subsequently even more actually, what Al's done with OM, or Om um, I think it's, it's just really special it's got a really again a really spiritual soulfulness to it that isn't theater theater to me and maybe this is a bit theatrical this album <laughs> but i just like the, the heaviosity of it just the sheer fuck you weight of it you know and, and just the fact it's one long track that they delivered to a major label because for me I actually i like antagonism still in music you know i don't want everything to get Hippified, you know, yeah. and I, I think the fact that they delivered that. one long at, one yeah. track yeah. to a major label, having got a huge advance, is wicked. <laughs> well, could, could you maybe pick like a there minute, is only one track, a minute to a minute? <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> maybe like
2: we'll let John the editor. Uh, yeah, let the somewhere editor in the middle. Yeah, somewhere in the middle would be safe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so um, your final choice?
1: Um, I picked this one, even though I have not heard the music, um, but it is the soundtrack for apparently a German-Austrian <laughs> co-production of a Polish animated film about the Moomin trolls. Yeah, I'm and, keepers. Um I'm a huge Moomin troll fan. They were—I got exposed to their books when I was a child. Okay and uh i'm also have finnish and swedish uh extraction or blood um and uh i don't know the Moomins. i loved because uh, they were written as children's books but they're like sort of like an ingmar bergman version of a children's book because <laughs> they're quite weirdly dark and very strange but uh they were a huge influence on me as a child and into adulthood so um, and I'm gonna pick the track Midwinter Rites."
2: Okay, next choice. Okay. Uh my last my, final choice, my last
3: choice is by William Basinski and uh, the track's called uh for David David Robert Jones. And um Basinski for me can do no wrong actually more or less uh well not more or less totally can do no wrong. Every time I hear an album I'm blown away by it, you know, and and considering it's a relatively simple idea of more or less uh repetitive loops that just mutate mm-hmm. gradually and liquefy um, I still find them extraordinary you know I think the disintegration loops was the first thing I heard by him his 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 um, I can't think of the right word right now but just he wrote it after he was living in New York at the time when the Twin Towers struck and he wrote it in remembrance of the, for the victims I think and it was incredibly potent music and incredibly beautiful and with Techno Animal, many years ago, we 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 definitely tried this idea of of minimal looping sound that's dronal as hell. It just morphs through effects, really, as much more than the components even. But we never got anywhere close to the magic he's 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 able to deliver. And I, uh, when we did one of our first concerts, we invited William to perform in L.A. So for for me. Um, he's a very interesting character. I know he played saxophone on this track and I know this track was dedicated to David Bowie uh, Mm -hmm. because Bowie died and he wrote this piece subsequently. And I think he told me his band supported Bowie, his old band. Mm -hmm. So um, that makes it even more interesting and even more heartfelt. And it's a very moving piece of music, you know, uh, and it's a very spectral piece of music. I I like music that has a sort of haunting quality, not any gothy theatrical shit, but, Mm -hmm. but literally where you just feel it permeate you after the fact and and just put you in touch with with a deeper spirituality Mm
2: -hmm. which Brzezinski certainly
3: certainly does would you like to introduce the track oh yeah this is william basinski and it's called for david robert jones in memory of david bowie
2: Seriously, thanks so much for for coming in. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I know you kind of put through a very quick (laughs) um, sort of selection process of of your choices, but uh, six great choices there. And um, Concrete Desert is out on the 5th of May on Ninja Tune. And um, I'd I'd massively advise anyone to go out and get it. It's um, an incredible piece of work, and it's been great to to chat with you both today. Thanks very much.
1: Thank
3: you. Thank you, and thanks to Rough Trade. I mean, as we said before the interview when i when uh, when i first moved to london mm-hmm. a lot of my early years in london was spent in rough trade in covent uh, not covent garden in um notting hill in uh, ladbroke grove yeah and um Maybe i even i even stories. remember buying Dizzy Rascal's I love you single on a white label before it was even released from rough trade that's where i first heard grime yeah ironically enough and um i think rough trade's done sterling work and that's not me just licking ass it's no. because i think rough trade's a, a fine institution that's, that's really kind of you to say thanks so much thank you
1: Rough Trade Radio
2: Parchant 4 available in store and online at roughtrade.com